get it going. Welcome back, everybody. On today's podcast, we have a very compelling guest. He has played for multiple pro teams through the years, as well as quite a list of professional ice hockey teams. He currently is playing for the Norfolk Admirals of the ECHL. He grew up playing hockey in Colorado and Ohio. Welcome to the Good Roller Pod, JC Compagna. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm, I'm pumped to be on the podcast and uh, excited to talk to you guys about some fun stuff. Right on. Well, it's good to have the gang back. We got we got JC here as well. So let's kind of let's get into it, man. You uh, your your season kind of ended a little early this year with uh, with Norfolk because everything going on. Um, how how was the season prior to everything ending? It was a difficult season um, as far as standings wise. We were pretty much last place or close to last place the whole year, but. Um, personally, it was a, it was a good year for me in my career. Um, I did a lot of things good off the ice and, uh, in the dressing room, uh, I was named assistant captain. I, I volunteered a ton in the community. So, um, sometimes when the on ice product isn't doing so good, uh, there's other stuff going on. Um, I, it was a difficult season as far as us losing a lot of games, but, there's a lot of personal growth. So, and you know, we're living on a beach, so it was a lot of fun, but obviously we shut down and every other league shut down. So it's kind of a unprecedented, unprecedented situation that kind of stinks, but you know, we just got to take it for what it is and move on. I knew you played stallions here in Colorado, you know, under Frommer. So what was that like growing up playing stallions and Kodiaks under Frommer and playing with him? So playing for Fromm was probably one of the best hockey experiences I've, I've ever had in my life. Um, he is, I mean, you guys know him. He is through and through one of the best coaches in the world. I, I still consider him to be one of the best coaches in the world. And um, it, it was such a life changing thing for me. He, he developed me so much as a player. Um, I can't say enough about him. He's, you know, I, I try to convince him to come and, coach a pro team all the time. Cause I, I mentioned to play for him again, but you know, who he is, is child development. Like he, he loves helping the kids get better and he's still coaching youth hockey, he's still coaching young kids. And I don't think he'll ever stop that. Right. And when we, when we watch the movie miracle on the Boston stuff and on road trips, I see so many like characteristics of her Brooks and him. It's, it's just insane. Like he doesn't Minnesota want any other boys. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't want any of the credit. Um, he demands that you give your best, but he still loves you and he's going to hug you even if you mess up, you know? And that was a really cool experience. He, I would say he definitely saved my, my ice hockey career. Um, cause I was probably going down the wrong path as far as the way I was playing. And he took me when I was 12 in ice hockey and coached me in ice hockey and completely changed the the outcome of where I was headed. So, um, I'm so thankful to him. I still talk to him a lot and he's done so much for the game and for me. So, uh, I still text him sometimes to, Hey, just so you know, uh, thank you. And I love you just randomly, you know? I, I, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Jordan, I don't know how much, if you, if you played with Ron, but I, I know I Rob and I, rub, yeah, I know Rob and I rub shoulders with that guy all the time. I remember, <laughs> Just the, just Frommer, man. Frommer's the man. I uh, I do miss him. And it, when I was coaching a little bit of ice, I ran into him uh, one or two times too. Uh, the team I was coaching played his 15 and under Thunderbirds. And uh, we, we never got a chance to like catch up that weekend. And that was years ago. But yeah, he's he still pops on some, some uh, roller dad comments here and there. And 
he's he's around, man. He's around. So yeah, good old good old farmer, man. Two countless stories, countless stories of that guy. Yeah, and you know he he has such a history in the game. He knows everybody. It's like every time, even in the summer when you go to a rink, he's not even if he's not there. Everyone's like, "Hey, when was the last time you talked to From or what's he doing these days?" You know, it's like everybody just knows of him. He's such a legend. Yeah, a couple yeah. of kids I was a couple of kids I was coaching over at Aurora when I was over there. They uh they had him as their Thunderbird coach for I think like um what what is like twelve and under or like fourteen is is fourteen's Bantam? Yeah, Bantam. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he had like a Bantam Thunderbirds team and a couple of kids that I was coaching roller from the next year with Thunderbirds and I was like oh boy and so Romers hit me up when they've had a tournament together and he's like I, I want you to, to play the style that like we talked <laughs> you know, and I'm like I got you like I, we'll, we'll we'll do good don't worry you know so yeah he's he's still in it man he's still and he's still an ambassador for Roller too even though he's pretty ice heavy he still preaches and wants these kids playing and skating as much as they can. So that, that always helps too with, you know, parents who are maybe uninformed or who have ideas or perceptions of roller hockey. He's a very kind of pivotal part to get kids who are playing high level ice hockey to kind of experience roller hockey and how fun it is. Yeah. And and what's funny is he's still like in my head today. I haven't played for him since I was like, you know, 14 years old. But like during a game, I'll miss the net high. And like it's like when the devil pops up on your shoulder and the angel on the other one. Like I'll like hear from in my head. Like I'm like, oh, from so mad at me right now. I just missed the net high because he's always wanting me to shoot low. Shoot low, stop in front. And like he preached that. So it's just funny. I'm like 26 years old and I missed the net. And my first thought is like, oh man, from's gonna yell at me. And I'm like, I don't play you said that. Um, you said that Fromm saved your ice career in like in a way. Did you start playing heavy ice in Denver or what kind of teams were you playing for when you moved out to Ohio also? Yeah, so I played pretty much single A hockey, um, like at the YMCA at, at Boulder at Highland Hills growing up. And when I was 12, um, we won the PEA state championship. And I was playing for Fromm. And he kind of sat down with us and he's like, hey, if you want any chance of going where I think you could go, you need to start playing triple a and they don't offer that here. So you might want to look into going to the Midwest and uh, you know, looking for some triple a programs out there. And I just, we, we were shocked because, you know, obviously most coaches, they don't want to give up their players. And here is from telling me to, to leave for bigger and better things, sacrificing his team that he was going to coach in the future so I could go on and play at a higher level. So I ended up moving out to, uh, to Ohio and playing for the the AAA blue jackets, which, you know, led to me being drafted in the OHL going to, um, NTDP camp, uh, the final 40, I got drafted in the USHL. So he really like started my ice career, um, and put me on the path that I needed to go because in Colorado that long ago, it's, it's come a long way. But when, you know, yeah, I think when me and Kevin, when all, all of us actually were kids coming up, there wasn't a lot of big triple a hockey. Like there is like, we didn't even know what little Caesars and Comptoir were to us. It was Littleton. Littleton was the big, yeah. show, and they were still <laughs> only a hockey, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's what, that's why I say that from kind of helps progress my career. That is kind of amazing. Like thinking back on it, like, yeah, there, there, 
I mean, there was what, like the Thunderbirds. I don't think the miners were around. I don't know if the outlaws were around yet. Like it is kind of amazing that there weren't really a lot of AAA programs when we were, you know, 11, 12, 13. Yeah. There was, there was nothing. When you were uh, living out in Ohio, did you ever play a roller? Yeah. Um, obviously like I played at the, the sports plus down in Cincinnati where state wars has been. Um, I, I would just play, you know, Ironman tournaments and stuff. And then I went to state wars with team Ohio, uh, three years in a row. <clears throat> but that was at the time where I was like, I was just now getting into the OHL. So I was getting into like junior division one of roller hockey. So I was playing with more specific like teams than in Ohio and mostly just summer tournaments. I was like big in roller. I loved roller. And I said all the time, I wish I, I could make the money in roller that you can in ice. Cause, um, I mean, there was, so there was this place in Colorado called, uh, the Bladium and there's, uh, it was like an old, like old warehouse building. But when I was a kid, was I an would, air, aircraft hangar. Yeah, exactly. But we would go to tournaments and I would play like 10 and under 12 and under 14 and under and 16 and under all in one, like I'd play like 10 or 12 games in a day. And, um, I was like obsessed with roller. Like I'd go from rink to rink, change the Jersey, like no breaks in between. And that's what like I grew up knowing and loving. And then ice was just kind of like, all right, we're playing ice. It was, it was fun, but I was like roller. And then when I got to be 12, 13, then I started like really taking ice super seriously. So going into that, it was, uh, it was Sarnia that drafted you, right? Yeah. So, um, I was, I was probably going to go to, uh, Wisconsin. I was still young for official commitment, but that's where I had my, my eyes set on. Um, so there was definitely some like verbal commitment there, but, um, uh, I wanted to either play close to home or go to college. So, Sarnia picked me up. They were only three and a half hours away from Ohio. And, um, it was the same, I same summer I got drafted by Chicago steel. And, uh, and then I went to the NTDP camp as well. And I had a array of options, array of options to choose from. And Sarnia was just like super like welcoming. And I was, it, it was pretty rare for a 16 year old kid rookie to, to play in the OHL. Usually it's after you get drafted, you wait a year or two and then you get your chance. So, um, they said, you know, if you sign right now, we'll bring you in, you'll play your rookie year. And, and it was just too, too hard to say no to. Um, so I ended up going to Sarnia and, uh, that's how I started my major junior. What was that experience like being a rookie, um, playing six, being 16 years old, playing the OHL? So looking back on it, I don't think I was ready for it. Um, it was like, I, I probably went a year too early when you're 16. If you think about when you're, when you're 16 and stuff, you're not like fully developed, you're not mature. And I was so young, you get, you know, you, you turn into a celebrity in Canada where everywhere you go, people know you, you're in a spotlight. If you're at a bar, you're at a restaurant, wherever you are, it's a lot to deal with. You know, people asking for autographs after the game, photo sessions, fan, fan things. It was just a lot to handle as a 16 year old. It's super hard to not let it go to your head because it's something you've never really experienced before. So looking back, like I really am happy that I went to the OHL and played major junior, but I probably would have, if I could do it over again, I probably would have waited a year just so I could have maybe matured a little bit more and, and been more prepared for what the whole, you know, major junior in Canada is all about. Cause you kind of get thrown into it, especially being an American, never seen it before. 
you get thrown into it and then you just kind of have to learn and read and react, which is tough to do as a 16 year old kid. <laughs> well, well, uh, I, I know in Sarnia, like just before you got there, Stamkos was lighting it up there. Like, was there a lot of buzz around there kind of like about your guys' team and, and kind of like the organization? Yeah, for sure. So, and when I got there, Stamkos was leaving. It was, so my rookie year in the O was Stamkos' rookie year in the NHL. Wow. And he was just leaving Sarnia. So like our town was like, we're drafting, you know, for the next Stamkos. So our first round pick, he played in the NHL, Brett Ritchie. There was a lot of pressure on him because first round pick in the OHL, they're expecting him to come in and be the next Stamkos. It's going to be a top pick, you know? So out of there's, I think there's 15 rounds. There was only three of us from that draft that ended up playing our rookie season. Wow. Um, and I was the only American. So there was just, it was a lot of pressure. It was fun. But like I said, um, it was just a lot of like unexpected things, you know, like living away from home, living with a billet, uh, you know, road trips, trying to manage school. So it was just, it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was definitely a challenge. Still in high school, playing in the OHL, trying to figure yeah. out. <laughs> right. Insane. But it was That's definitely, nuts. Yeah, definitely a cool experience. And there's a lot of stuff. I always make a joke that I'm going to write a book um, about some of the stuff I saw in junior when I'm, when I'm done playing, like I'll write an anonymous yeah. book, you know, because there's so much crazy stuff that happens, but yeah, it was definitely interesting. Um, I, when I came into the OHL, it was talent flooded. I mean, I, I would say from talking to some people, it, it might've been the best like three years that the OHL has ever had. So I just, kinda wow. got un, I got unlucky that I fell into that because kind of, it was lucky and unlucky. I mean, there's, I, when I look around at the guys I played with against my rookie year, Taylor Hall, Tyler Sagan, uh, Jeff Skinner, Tyler Toffoli, you know, Aaron Ekblad, Cam Fowler, Ryan Ellis. Like I can sit here and drop names of Gabriel Landis Cog, like the guys who I played against as a 16 year old kid who are now like full on studs in the NHL. It's like, I look back and like, Holy cow. Like I watched their games on TV and I'm like, yeah, Sagan had four goals. I was dashed for that against him. My rookie year. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you reached out to us uh, about some stuff like in particular, um, you touched on it, you know, when we kind of got started, you said you've been doing a lot more stuff kind of in the community and, you know, just, just changing things. And, you know, like, believe me, like there's a perception of you in the roller world and I'm sure you know it, but, um, but yeah, like, do, do you kind of want to like get into that a little bit of, of kind of, you know, some of the things that are, you got going on in your life now and how you feel about everything? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, it's not a secret. I think I'm, I'm hated by a lot in the roller world. And if I'm not hated, I'm disliked. Um, and I, I completely understand why, uh, growing up, I, I cared about one thing and that was winning high score and winning the tournament. Those only, the only things on my mind was I wanted to win the tournament and I wanted to win high score. Um, I didn't care about my teammates. I didn't care about anything else other than just, I wanted to score and I wanted to win. And I think I rubbed a a lot of people the wrong way. Um, And it started to become a reality when I was just turning 18. I was starting to get into the pro game. Uh, My first year of pro was with the Las Vegas tour rebels. And um, I played with, you know, they were a pretty good team, but they came in they're like, Hey, like we loved having you, but um, you know, you didn't get out on a power play and you were complaining, you know, you didn't get enough playing time. You're, you're, you know, whining about that. And we, we just don't do that on our team. 
And then I went to go play with uh, Alkali with Joe Cook, and I and I kind of did the same thing. He, you know, he warned me. He said, "You're you're new to this program. Um, you know, you can't you can't you have to be a good teammate." So in, in my mind, I only had one vision: being a good teammate was was helping my team win. And I didn't care how I did it. If I had to stay on the ring for six minutes and to score a goal, everybody would love me because I helped the team win. But that wasn't the case. Um, so I think I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and, uh, I was losing opportunities to be successful in roller. You know, I, I, I sat down, I, I missed an opportunity at double HF. Uh, I missed the opportunity to play on alkalized top team because none of the guys wanted to play with me. So I sat down with my dad and, and I called from, I said like, what's going on? Why am I missing these opportunities? And it was the same thing that was kind of going on in the ice world. I needed to learn how to be a good teammate in other ways and just on the scoreboard and contribute and, you know, be, be a nice guy. You know, I, I wanted my opponents to hate me and I wanted my teammates to be jealous of me because of how good I was. And it was just the wrong way to look at it. Um, you know, cause in the roller world, you know, when we play another team, we're friends with everybody on that team, but it's still a competitive game. Whereas I didn't, I had no business being friends. I wanted them to hate me because that was my mentality. And, you know, like I said, you get careful what you ask for. So it's kind of hurt me in the roller world. Um, you know, the, the one year in Narch, I was coming off of winning Narch pro high score, which is like one of the best highlights of my, my pro roller career. And, you know, I sat down and I said, am I going to get an opportunity to try out for double IHF? And, and Joe looked at me and he's like, no, because the guys that are going to be on that team don't want to play with you just straight up. So I was like, damn, I'm losing a lot of opportunities in the hockey world because of my, my attitude, my personality. And likewise in the, in the ice world. So I made a decision in my life. I was going to change and, and switch, start caring about my teammates, start, you know, being more of a, a team guy, a leader. And in these last two years, I've, I've flipped to being a role model, a chaplain leader for hockey ministries. Um, like I said, I was, I'm an assistant captain now. So I've made a huge turn in my life and it hasn't affected my hockey at all, but it's made my, my hockey career actually become better because of the off ice stuff, you know, being a good teammate in the locker room. So I, I wish I could go back and do it all over. I only can apologize to all the people that I, I rubbed the wrong way. And I'm sure people have stories about me that I don't, I I put in the past that I don't even remember because I don't want to admit that that's how I used to be, but I've made a huge change in my life and um, it's really helped my ice career progress. And I see it and I, you know, I've taken a couple of years off a roller because I wanted to kind of hopefully let people forget about who I was. So when I do come back, it's like I'm a new, a new JC, you know, a new player, a new, new person. Well, right on, man. I mean, it, it takes a lot of heart and it takes a lot of balls to like kind of say out to people like, Hey, I, I was an asshole, man. I thought only about myself and stuff. And like, like when, when you reached out to me originally, I was like, I kind of was man, us three went around with the idea. I'm like, I think this would be like very unique. I think there's people who kind of like enjoy hearing this. And Boyarski was one of the ones I texted. He's like, I, I would listen to that in a heartbeat. And so one of those stories that I was reminiscing with you about was, uh, was in Florida one year, you guys were playing the outcasts and there was a play that happened where apparently like you, you threw your stick on somebody who was like on an odd man rush, no call on the play. 
And then something happened. Other, you guys go down, score a goal or to the game or win the game. And Nick's livid. Nick can't believe it. And he's, he's talking to Lonnie after the game. I mean, and so what, what do you remember from that? Yeah. So that was one of the things like doing dumb stuff like that. That's something I, I tried to remove from my head. Cause I can't want to believe I did that, but I do remember it was a, it was a tie game and, um, they were about, they, there was a turnover and they picked up the puck and were about to, I think have a two on one or three on one. And I, I threw my stick in one of the things like, okay, either they're going to score and we're going to lose, or I'm going to take a penalty and we can try to kill it off. So I throw my stick and break up the three on one. There's no call. We end up picking up the puck after, after this whole thing happens, I pick up my stick and we go down and we score and actually take the lead in the game. And this was like, there was people in the crowd that were like, couldn't believe what just happened. And obviously they were upset. They were pissed off. Um, it was just, it was, yeah, that was a big, cause like you said, it changed it playoff impact because us winning reseeded teams and people had to play different people now. So it was just, uh, there was a huge impact on that. The other stick incident that I thought when you said the stick incident, my first thing went to my mind was at state wars. Um, when Michigan was playing British Columbia in the 93 division, and, uh, the British Columbia team was like really nasty. They were playing dirty and I was in the crowd and they cross check Spezia from behind. And I was in the crowd at state wars at sports plus, And I, I reached over the glass to grab a British Columbia guy and he swung his stick at me through the, like the, the netting at sports plus there in the oh, arena. Jesus. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so I had a, yeah. So I had to sit down with Jay Russell who was with Alkali at the time. And he was like, look, like you represent Alkali. You can't be doing stuff like that. And I was like, well, look, like they injured one of our players and they just went after speed. And at the time, like I considered speed a good friend of mine. So I was like, I just was right there. I grabbed the guy from the crowd and, you know, stuff kind of went wild after that, but that's what, when you, that my first instinct, when you said the stick instant, I was like, yeah, I got swung at by the stick from when I was in the what, crowd. That was, uh, that was like Cincinnati 2011 or something like that. Yeah. State Wars, um, in Cincy. Yeah. That was, that was yeah, wild. Spees was on the State Wars podcast and apparently I threw a shoulder into him as we were crossing paths in the lobby because Phelps made us hate Spezia that summer. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta answer that question a little later on the state where podcast today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so like I, you know, I don't mean to bring up like sore subjects and that it is stuff in the past, but I mean just like you said, like there's pe- people have a lot of memories of kind of like some of the little things that like went on with like you at the rink. So it is, yeah, you know, it's kind of like a little funny to like think back on on some of the stuff and remember it a little bit. So. So yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing what you remember from uh, from from that time at Narch throwing throwing the stick to stop the odd man. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why I think people remember the stuff that I did more is because at that time when we were growing up, like we were winning a lot. You know, like even when we played together, we won a lot. We won every six pack tournament or whatever, and. I think it bothered people how good we were. And then, you know, when you're good 
as a team and you're a good player and you're doing dumb stuff, it like gives a people an extra reason. Like not only am I mad cause they're beating us, but you know, he's a jerk and I'm going to hate him for that too. You know? So I think a lot of stuff that I did was because of like, I was having success, but as a jerk and people don't like when people are jerks and who are, who are having success, you know? When you felt like you're, did you feel like you're being a jerk or did you, or did some, did, did no one tell you that you're at it, that your attitude was not the best or like, how was it growing up all the way until I guess two years ago? Yeah. So in my mind, like people, people mention like that people don't like me off the ice or people don't like me in the locker room. And, and like I said, my mindset was, I don't, they don't have to like me. I'm going to help the team win. and that's all that matters to me. You know, like I'm going to score. And if a guy doesn't like me, then whatever I scored, we want like get over it. Cause that was my mentality. And you know, as you get older, you mature, you start to realize that there's a lot more to a, a locker room than just scoring and winning, you know? So, yeah. and that's why I wish I could have played for from for longer because from he started to see where I was going with my, my personality and my attitude. Um, you know, and like when I played ice hockey for him, he, he made me stay out for six minutes one time on an ice hockey shift because he called me, I'll never forget this. He called off and I looked at the bench and it was like two to two in the third period. He pulled me off and I said, no, I'm not coming off. And I stayed on. So every time I came off after that, he put me, he made me stay on. I was so tired and I'd come off and I'd be like, Rob, I need to get off and go, no, you want to stay on, you're staying on. So he left me out there for like six and a half minutes in an ice hockey game. I was, I was so dead. I couldn't feel my legs, but he did it to like prove a point. Like when a coach calls you off, you come off, you know, (laughs) just like little stuff like that. going, Going back to from that, like he could have definitely helped me throughout my career. Um, but yeah, I, I, people did tell me like, Hey, you're going to have a tough time, um, you know, getting along with teammates. But at that time, like I said, I, every tournament I went to, I was, I was blowing out of the water with my scoring and, and winning. And I just didn't want to listen to anybody because I was too young and immature. I was just going to say like outside of from, and and I know you said Jay Russell pulled you aside one time, like, I guess kind of like coaches or like adult, like figures within the sport who, who did kind of like, again, other than from, was there anybody else that kind of like said, Hey, look, like you have all the talent in the world, but your attitude is worth the shit. You know, like, was, was there anybody else kind of like adult wise or industry wise who told you anything like that? I know, I know you said Joe too, a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I heard like for the main, the main reason where I was getting is guys don't like you on the team so that they don't want to play with you, but I never really knew why Like they weren't saying the reason why guys don't like you is this. They were just saying, yeah, guys on the team aren't very fond of you. So we're going to go a different direction. Like, you know, um, I was trying to get on the snipers when I was first coming on pro and he's like, yeah, like obviously you're a really good player, but some of the guys don't, aren't really a, a big fan of you and don't think you'd help the team. So we're going to, you know, go a different direction. So that was all the kind of answers I was getting, but no real clarity on to why. So like I said, it was, it was hard for me to understand, like, why would guys not want to play with me? Um, 
you know, and then, like I said, I, I had a, a conversation with Joe. He brought me out with his alkali. Um, I think they were called Max at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were at Narch and it was like three to three. We were playing against, uh, I think, Palma and we get a power play. And I'm on the bench and I look up at Joe and he sends out like Spezia, Krog, uh, Kettler, Krogman and Novak and doesn't send out me. And I look, I'm like, Not a bad peep. are you are you kidding me right now? Like I said that to him, you know, I was like, are you kidding me? Like we have a chance to win and I'm not on the power play. Like just the arrogance of me at the time. And other guys on the bench heard that and were like upset about that, you know, because it's like, what makes you think like your first year guy on the team, you deserve power play time. Those four. Why, guys don't, you be- why don't you believe in the four that he's throwing out there right now? Right. Who are all pretty good players, very good players. You know what I mean? So that was just kind of like my mindset. Like, I don't care who it was power play. I'm on penalty kill. I'm on like end of the game. I'm on. That's what was in my mind. And it was just, I handled it the wrong way, you know? So like I said, um, there's a lot of stuff I learned and, and cook, you know, he told me the same thing with double F like you're not coming to the tryout simply because the guys who are already going to make the team aren't fond of you. So again, a guy that doesn't like me, I can tell right now, I'm pretty sure you had him on Travis. No, why doesn't he like me? Cause every time I play him, I go after him hard. He's the best player in the world in my mind. So at the time I wanted to be the best player in the world. So who do you take down? You take down. No, you know what I mean? So I was in his grill every single time we played against him and, and he hates me. I know he hates me. So but that eliminates me ever playing for pie, you know. I don't think Travis hates anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Travis doesn't have an ounce of hate in his body. Because if it did, yeah, it would he, go against who Travis is. But he probably like on the floor, he probably doesn't like you. Let's put it that way. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I, I, I can I can get on board with that. So, well, you've been married for a little bit now too. Like how much, I'm sorry, Rob, how much do you like attribute like Jade kind of helping you out with, with this kind of stuff too? Yeah. Um, so it's funny you say that. And like I said, full disclosure. So right before we got married, um, and leading up to our marriage, she kind of said, Hey, like I fully support you. I'm ready to marry you. But if you want to really make a career in hockey and support our family, you know, our dog, if we're going to have a dog, our kids, you have to make a change in your life for the better because you're going to lose a lot of money and a lot of opportunity in hockey world. If you keep treating people the way you're treating them. And, you know, when we were in Fort Wayne last year, when I played for the comments, Fort Wayne comments is like the NHL to them. And I remember after one game I, we lost, I didn't want to sign autographs. I didn't want to talk to the fans. I tried to sneak out the back door. And she grabbed me and she brought me out front and she's like, no, you're smiling and you're going to sign autographs for these people. And wow. Stuff like that, where she like, she helps me a lot with just doing the right thing, you know, which is, I think a lot of it I have to give to either, you know, both my parents and my wife now, um, helping me the stuff they've been telling me for a long time that I just didn't want to listen to. But I think a lot of it's now that I'm starting to realize that they were right. I'm listening to them. And I'm seeing the positive effects of it. Go ahead, George. Sorry, bud. I was going to say kudos to you because there's a part where like being an asshole and not really realizing it 
and as a part of realizing it and knowing that you have like a support system now to help you become more successful than you were then. So I know like the hockey world is forgiving. And I know as a roller world, I want to say that we're forgiving. So I should, you should have another chance. if the skill is still there and everything happens like that, but you've made it clear that you want to be a better person. You want to be better and help the game, help the game out. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think the only way to really show like, whether it's, you know, like I, I had a short stint with the Mudcats before I stepped away from the game. Um, and you know, I guess I was with Alkali for a long time with Joe. The only way he's going to, anything's going to happen is if I, if I get on a team this summer or next summer, depending on what happens with coronavirus and, and just really show people like, okay, like, you know, yeah, he's, he still can play, but it's completely different, you know, attitude, completely different mindset. Um, and that's what like I'm looking to do. I'm excited to, you know, get back into the roller world because I've missed it a lot. Like being away from the roller world for two years or three years in a row after going to every single state wars and narch from the time you're like eight until the time you're 18 is, is weird, you know, not being there in the summer. You know, Jordan said, I think people are forgiving. So it would be, you know, hopefully we do get to see you sometime at a summer tournament soon. Ending this pod, I know you have a uh, new training product. Did you want to kind of, you know, talk about that at all? Yeah, sure. I can, I can touch on that um, just real briefly. So a couple of years ago, I invented a, a product called the shot doctor. It's a basically just a resistance band uh, that attaches to your stick. So uh, I was testing oh. around with, like weighted sticks, um, and putting a weight at the blade and everything was like good, but it felt different than a shot that you would normally take. So I was like, how could I mimic a regular shot, but make it harder, you know, like make it harder to shoot. So the resistance band came into play. We tried it out. We tested a bunch of stuff and we ended up creating a strap that, that Velcros to your stick that has the band on it. So, um, yeah, we're, I mean, we've been around for a couple of years, but it's just starting to pick up now. Uh, there's, you know, more people like, Hey Barber started using it. Um, Nasher 61. We've got some NHL players oh. on it. We've been growing it slowly, but it's been really fun. Um, you know, being a business owner and, and learning that side of it and still trying to maintain, you know, hockey side of playing and now the business business world of it. So, um, yeah, we have an Instagram. You can buy it on our Instagram. If you want to check it out. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of cool videos up there. So I appreciate you letting me plug that real quick. And, uh, that's all I really have to say about that. Is that and it's, it's at shot doctor. It's the So, um, when we were going through trademarking, the shot doctor was already taken. So we changed it to duh, like D a. So it's the dot shot dot doctor. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, and it helps basically with, uh, just shooting, you're just shooting the puck and everything. Yeah. So basically it, you just, you know, if you have a shooting lane or if you shoot pucks in your garage or your basement or whatever, you just attach it to something that's heavy or a door and you just take shots. And basically it just adds resistance to your, 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 uh, your shot path of your stick. Oh, wow. Nice. So Release yeah, it's, it's pretty cool product. And, um, like I said, we've had really good feedback about it. So hopefully it continues to grow and we get into some more pro shops and stuff and, and in the hands of more coaches. 
Awesome. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely have to throw a picture of that on the on the spot when we release the pod because uh, that's a pretty cool thing. Any kind of training product people have, you know, that's new and especially from a, a roller player, it's always nice to support your roller community too. So, did you want to say something, Kev? I got I I do have a little story I can, can yeah. talk about. I remember uh, that same trip in Phoenix. I think we went out to some like putt putt course that had like go karts and all this stuff. And I remember we were like 10 years old and we were sitting in line behind like these pretty good looking, like 14 and 15 year olds. And JC got me in a cart with this one girl and she was pretty good looking. So not all bad from this guy. All right. Not all, all bad from this guy. Good wingman. That's a great wingman. Yeah. At 10 years old. Are you kidding me? Dude was willing for you. Yeah, no, no doubt. So yeah, it's, there's definitely plenty of stallions memories that, that we had. I know you and AJ used to go rounds a bit. So, so yeah, it's, but it's, uh, it's nice talking to you and kind of remembering way back when in the early two thousands, when we all started kind of traveling and playing competitively and stuff. And, you know, you were, you were definitely a big part of our team and, we were talking to Darren the other day. We were talking about that year in Cincinnati back in 04 when we played the smoke and the blast and barely lost to them. And then we got ran by some random team from Cincinnati and completely knocked us out of playoffs and stuff. So yeah, yeah those couple of years at 10 and 12 and under, man, they were uh, definitely, definitely remember them pretty well. Yeah. And playing in Colorado, like, it was a lot of fun and we, you know, we played with some great people, AJ, CJ, um, you know, Mitch Schneider, all those, all those Colorado kids. Lewis bandits Paul, guys. Paul. Yep. Yeah. The bandits guys, stallions versus bandits. That was like, you know, that was a rivalry. Man. That was a rivalry. <laughs> they were really good and they had all TPS stuff. So you were super envious of them. Oh yeah. yeah. They were, they were sponsored young. They're yeah. sponsored as 10 year olds. And you're like, what the hell, dude, I want some free pads. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're unreal. Well, Hey JC again, just want to say thank you for coming onto the pod. Thank you. For basically wanted to say an apology to the roller world. I think that was uh that's pretty awesome. You know, you don't get that a lot. Not a lot of people want to do that. Not a lot of people want to own up to stuff they did in their past. Um, it's really awesome. And I hope a lot of people take away with this and um, you get your chance to play in roller pro roller again, because the skills probably obviously there. So love to see you in the ring sometime. Hey, thanks guys. And just want to say, um, you know, roller hockey is such a great sport and it's stuff like this that helps grow the game. And you guys are doing, you guys are doing great stuff, having, having awesome uh, podcasts here and having good people on. So keep doing what you guys are doing, keep growing the game. And, and hopefully this, this game of roller just keeps getting bigger, but you know, it's behind the, behind the scenes and stuff like this, you guys are doing that really helps us uh, have fun when we go to tournaments in the summer and, and keeps the sponsorships coming and keeps the vendors alive. So appreciate everything you guys are doing. We appreciate right on, man. We, yeah, we appreciate you coming on and yeah, hopefully, hopefully with everything going on in the world, the, the paths cross sooner than later, man. Yeah. Hopefully. All right, guys. Thanks All a right, lot. Boys. We'll catch you on the next pod. To the ceiling, come around. It's a new day, stage at teenage. I'm stepping out of the space, surveying the land around me, picking the herbal blends and sage. I got the fam helping me, taking the game over stealthily, looking for clues that'll lead me to ladies who come to the house with me. We go by rollers, buyers. I'm at the front of a long line, and I know that.
This is where that I'm meant to be. Splitting leaves, fill up with trees now. You gotta breathe out, relax now. Squeaking the victim, the shittiness isn't there. Flicking the stick in the tray, never met his kid. Never know. I'm thinking of gripping this business. That fam shit can't miss this. No longer gonna be restless.